Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Allison Giddens here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Allison, how you doing? I'm good. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. I tell you, we've got a big conversation. And it's great to have you back by popular demand. We had a great buzz uh, episode yesterday. But today, Allison, big show lined up as we're talking about the automation imperative for supply chain professionals, really everyone. Right. And we're going to touch on some proven ways to leverage next generation technology to streamline manual tasks out of the supply chain workflow and a whole lot more. Allison, should be a good show, huh? I'm excited. I got a sneak preview. I like it. (laughs) Sneak peek. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Way folks, stay tuned as Mark Toffoli and John Gunderson will be joining us momentarily. And folks, get ready because we want to hear from you as well. We've got a bunch of folks joined us uh, from around the globe. And uh, we want to get your perspective as we work through over the next uh, hour-long conversation. Hey, speaking of, uh, Allison, we've got folks tuned in everywhere. We've got, of course, we've got Josh Goody uh, back with us from Seattle. He's one of our, our stalwarts, uh, right? we got Clay. Good word. Good word. <laughs> Don't ask me if that's a, a noun, a pronoun, an adjective, uh, yeah, or whatever. No. It's not that show. We're not All in right. that show. That's right. Uh, Clay Phillips. Clay the Diesel Phillips, because the engine's not always running. Great to see you, Clay. Uh, John Peterson from Marietta, Georgia, via LinkedIn. Right down the street from me. That's right. His ears may have been burning earlier. Uh, yep. Let's let's see here. Gary Wood tuned in from Victor, New York, from LinkedIn. Great to see you. Hey, Marie Hurst is back with us uh, from the Atlanta area. You ever met Marie, uh, Allison? No, I don't think so. She is a dynamo. I've had a good uh, opportunity awesome. to sit down with her over recent years. And, of course, Niles, if I think I said that right, Niles, in gorgeous San Diego, I California. Love San Diego. Great to have I you love here. San Diego. Um, all right, folks, we want to welcome everybody and all your perspective. We've got a good big show teed up. So y'all keep the perspective coming in the cheap seats. Uh, Allison, are we ready to introduce quite a dynamic duo here today? Let's do it. All right. With no further ado, I want to welcome in Mark Tofoli, Vice President Sales with Connexium, and John Gunderson, Senior Consultant with Dorn Group. Hey, hey, Mark, how you doing? Very well, thank you, Scott. Appreciate the uh, nice intro. You bet. Great to see you. I've really enjoyed our pre-show conversations. And John, how are you doing? Doing great, Scott. Excited well, to join. We, well, you know, we're, we're glad to have you both. Allison and I have been uh, really excited about today's conversation. John, we're going to save. I know you and I have a... Um, uh, quite a love for all things farmers market. We'll have to save that to the next episode. But Mark, Al- uh, Mark Allison, and John, what we want to start with, as we have a little fun warm up question here, is it hit my radar that uh, our friends in the United Kingdom are celebrating National Donut Week this week. So we're just obligated, absolutely obligated, to join in and celebrate with them. So Mark, I want to start there. What is your favorite all time donut, and where do you get it? So all-time favorite donut has got to be an old-fashioned with that sour cream glaze. Unfortunately, I can't eat them anymore because the 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 wheat gets me, the gluten gets me. So mm. I found a pretty good substitute just about a mile away from here. There's a, uh, a gluten-free bakery that's got some uh, vanilla donuts with uh, sprinkles on top. So it's oh. a good second. <laughs> sprinkles make everything better <laughs> they do allison i love that and hey before i go to john folks let us know if you're a big donut fan let us know in the comments uh where's your favorite go-to place is all right so john that's gonna be tough to beat what mark said there your thoughts um well um i love long johns i guess probably because of the name right yeah. and uh i guess that's why i got hooked on them as a kid um there's a place right down the road from me here in georgia um, in Lawrenceville called great, uh, raised donuts. Okay. Walk to it. It's on the other side of the fire station. So you got to get in there early. Otherwise the firefighters, are. <laughs> but as they great, should great place. Great yeah. Place. It sounds like it. Uh, and as they should get the, 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 their donuts first, right, John. 
Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right. And by the way, uh, for commute, Allison, Josh says bear claws from Spudnitz in Richland, Washington. How about that? Okay, y'all keep the suggestions coming. All right, Allison, when it comes to donuts, because the UK is celebrating National Donut Week, your favorite go-to. No, wait. Did John say that he has to walk to the donut place? Did you say it's walking distance? <laughs> it's, See, so then, then that means you buy two donuts because you walked it <laughs> off. No, I, like I, you I think, think, you know, I, I'm, I'm here for logic. Um, no, I think that for me, it would have to be kind of a, a traditional go-to would be those coffee roll donuts at uh, Dunkin' Donuts. It's got a little bit of cinnamon, got a little okay. glaze. You don't get ripped off. There's no hole in it. So you get like a full pastry. <laughs> oh, Allison, I love that. Okay. All so about folks, the value. What's that, Mark? Yes. All about the value, right? All about the value. Exactly. That's right. Well, hey, Mark, John, Allison, we got a bunch of comments here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, now, uh, Cecil. Cecil, welcome to the show. Great to have you back. Oh, I'm with yeah. you. Krispy Kreme, yeah. original donut right off the conveyor belt. That's 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 the go-to. Amanda says chocolate frosted from Duncan or Krispy Kreme. Gary Wood says apple fritters from Tim Hortons. That's a good one. Uh, and finally, John Peterson, tip tops sourdough on Cobb Parkway. Okay, nice. fellow Atlanta nice. there, John. Um, all right. So now that we have what everybody. Scott? Wait, we don't have your favorite donut. Oh, uh, uh, plain, the original yeah. Krispy Kreme. Right out of the oven, right as it comes okay. off the conveyor right belt. Up, yeah. Melt yeah, in the milk. mouth. Man, as, or as Clay says, hot sign only. Hot sign only. That's <laughs> right. Krispy Kreme <laughs> OG. You get those bags of mini donuts when you go to the fair, right? Right. Man, and, and that's why you go to the fair these days, right? It's for the, the cuisine and, and all the good food. Um, all right. So we got a lot to get to here today. And, 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 uh, man, thanks. All the folks are, are playing right along with their favorite donuts. Y'all keep them coming in. But I want to move over John, Mark, and Allison to kind of while we're all here. And I want to start by level setting a bit. And, and John, I'm going to start with you. You know, you and Mark both have been out in the industry doing big things for quite some time. We've got the two decade rule here. We never spell anything with specificity over two decades. But y'all been doing big things for a while. You work with business leaders across the globe. What are some of those top priorities you're seeing uh, right now from business leadership, John? Uh, well, I'd say the number one thing is, and we're going to talk about it a lot today, is it it's tied to labor, right? Mm -hmm. It's really hard to get experienced labor to manage your supply chain properly. Um, you got great people, um, but less experienced as time goes on. Mm -hmm. And the need to automate as much as humanly possible is it every year it grows exponentially. So how do you automate tasks that a human used to do in a way to make your supply chain more efficient? Um, it's been a problem my entire distribution career, all the stops I've been at. It's a problem for everybody that I deal with today. Mm. And John, <laughs> when you say your entire distribution career, that has been, uh, that, that's a lot of experience you've had there. Almost two decades. Is that right, John? Yeah, we longer than two decades. I like how you sort of put <laughs> that. We Got capped it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's a good starting point, uh, John. Mark, let's move over to you. I know you, you have been uh, out on the uh, the business trail globally here lately, but uh, tell us what are business leaders prioritizing right now, Mark? I think more than ever, they're using customer experience as their North Star. So if you look at, you know, whether you're in a competitive industry or not, at the end of the day, with all the disruptions that's gone on the world around us, you're one North Star if you set customer experience as mm. that North Star of are we doing it right or wrong? That's certainly been the big focus that I've been hearing. And I guess the other one that I've been hearing a little bit of uh, more of lately is a uh, focus on compliance. So are we complying with our internal policies? Are we complying with contractual requirements? Are we complying with regulation? And how are we tracking that? So mm. more effort going into that focus as well. Well said, Mark. You know, I spent some time. Allison, I'm coming to you next for your quick commentary, but I spent some time last week, uh, fireside chat with an executive from a major retailer. And he's, he's really passionate about uh, employ, uh, um, improving the customer experience and the employee experience. And his quote was, uh, basically, if you do those things, more often than not, it's great for the business. So, Mark, great points there. Allison, your thoughts on what we just heard from Mark and John? Yeah, no, that resonates a lot with me. That's what I'm hearing across across the manufacturing se sector, especially. 
uh, the, the labor challenges, particularly, how can we do do more or at least do the same with far fewer people? Mm. Um, and then to the compliance topic, oh, gosh, that's I, you're singing my song. And the, the fascination I have with the compliance pieces as more and more layers of complexity to these compliance requirements and regulations, whether it's internal or external from our customers, you're layering things. And it's really hard to keep up with which ones, which pieces conflict with another. Because mm. uh, they don't all play nice in the sandbox sometimes, Allison. It's like no. excellent, excellent point. Um, all right. So what are we doing about all this? And, and that's where, uh, Mark, we're going to circle back to you, The where the automation imperative uh, enters. We've had some fascinating conversations pre-show about some of the cool things you and the Connexum team are doing out there with big companies, small companies, all points in between. But tell us more, Mark, about the automation imperative. Well, as you know, as John mentioned in his opening comments that it's difficult to get experienced staff, hiring in general is is really difficult um, in today's market. And so if you can't hire and you have more demands than you have current staff for or or are forecasting more demand than you have staff for, let's say you're planning to grow your business, then how do you fulfill those needs and and mm. If you can't hire to fulfill the needs, then you have an imperative to automate what you can so that people can do what can't be automated. Yes. Uh, yes. Very eloquent there. Supply chain Shakespeare is what we call that sometimes here, Mark. I love that. Uh, empowering your. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I think I'm not be able to live up to that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, good stuff. So, John, what would you add to the automation imperative as Mark just laid out there? Yeah, I, I think Mark really touched on it. Um, you have to understand that the customer experience is changing, right? I mean, distribution and manufacturing used to be fairly simple when I first got started. I mean, right. I was taught that a distributor's role was to take the big boxes that come in, put them on the shelf, and then ship them out in smaller boxes. That was our role. Mm. So, you know, it was pretty easy, easier 20 years ago because you were the main delivery vehicle. You were also, um, you know, it was a more simple business. Well, today the customer expects seamless channel from the manufacturer all the way to the delivery point. They don't really care who's screwing up. If somebody's screwing up, somebody's going to hear about it. So you have to automate some of the things that were what I call manual tasks, you know, and I've worked with Connexium twice as a customer okay. in my distribution career and also with them since then. You've got to be able to automate things like orders that come in instead of taking it off an email and retyping it into your ERP and then shipping it out. Um, you've got to be able to seamlessly have those two things connect, the order from the customer to your ERP. Because mm. every time that you make a mistake entering an order, when one line, one number off a 24 item part number, um, you're going to hear about it and it costs you money. So I think it really is imperative that distributors and manufacturers seamlessly integrate the supply chain all the way to the end customer. Well said, John. Uh, I just had some some of my nightmare scenarios from my metal stamping days uh, with some of those engineering reviews flashback between my ears, but you're right. Uh, and Allison, you know, uh, expectations as, as Mark and John both are kind of speaking to expectations have evolved in, the, in, in, in years, complexity has evolved, you know, empowering our people to do uh, more valuable work has also evolved. Allison, your quick comments here. I think that the, the bar has been set a lot higher, right? For, I mean, customer expectations, it used to be one thing and, you know, you could, you could tell your friends that you liked or you didn't like a certain brand. And, you know, eventually you just kind of, there was brand loyalty to you, but mm. now with social media and with word being able to spread so much quicker and that, that customer expectation is set a lot higher. There's a, there's a great book called the checklist manifesto. Okay. By Atul Gawande, Atul Gawande is a surgeon. And his whole point is if we can learn to create these checklists that simplify the process that we can get onto the harder stuff. And I think that's really where the automation piece comes in. If we can learn to automate the, the no brainer stuff, the stuff that trips us up and doesn't allow us to work on the more complex stuff, then if we can learn the easy stuff, then it leaves our brain 
all that much more room and resources to be able to do the really, really tough stuff to mm. set us apart from everybody else. It really is all about the stuff. Uh, it's all about the stuff, no, right? That's no, technical, no. actually. That's a very technical <laughs> term. Look it up. <laughs> all right. Uh, and, and hey, Mariana, yes, seamlessness is a very rare find. And we're going to walk through some different examples here in a minute. So uh, thanks for being here today. Um, all right. So let's talk about document processing and, and the management that's required in powering global uh, supply chain forward because it can be a quite a tidal wave, a massive tidal wave. And we've all heard the phrase, supply chain is the details. However, more and more companies are leveraging AI-enhanced document autom automation, which can address key points very successfully and effectively. And this is where we want to walk through some of these areas. We've got four areas uh, that can that can represent pain points in the business that we want to walk through here. And John, I want to start with you with the labor environment. That's kind of where you started your opening comments. Tell us more here. Yeah, I, I, I think, Scott, to just add on what you just said and what Alice and I said earlier, I thought was really unique. You know, it's becoming less about the personal relationship in this business and more about the transaction. So in general, we don't have to be best friends anymore as mm -hmm. long as I can get a good outcome in the transaction that I have. So that's how the business is changing. I'm not saying that relationships aren't still important. But the transaction, the seamless transaction is paramount and growing mm -hmm. every day. So in the labor environment, you really want to be able to automate tasks that can be done so that your human assets can be applied to things that are of true value. So, for example, answering a phone to take an order. OK. Probably something that you want to automate as much as possible helping track down proof of delivery or invoices, statements, all things you want to automate. The customer themselves wants to automate that themselves. They don't want to call you anymore in general for those right. things. They want to be able to self-serve that. The benefit to you as a manufacturer and a distributor is you're freeing people up to really adding value. Instead of, hey, you want six of those? How can I help you troubleshoot a problem? That's the way you got to think about it as a business. John, I love that. And you're so true. Going back about halfway through your response, Mark and Allison, I, I bet I wonder if this resonates with y'all. Uh, I text with my mom more perhaps than I talk with her because folks want to text. They want to send it in. They want to make it simple. Uh, and, and John, I, I, that's, that's dead on. That's how society has evolved, right? Mark, what else would you add when we talk about the labor environment? Well, I mean, I think, if you know to 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 John's point about transactional, I think it's about trust. So people want to trust their interactions and transactions. Um, so relationships were a great way to learn and earn trust. If you did business with people over a number of years, you you got trust. But at the end of the day, when you look at all of the disruptions that have happened in our supply chain recently, mm -hmm trusting that what the outcome is going to be is a direct impact and this probably leads into our next you know topic but direct impact on customer experience because if the goods don't arrive the product can't be built if the product can't be built it won't ship if it doesn't ship the customer's never going to get it so that's right and they will not be happy mark uh excellent point um allison what else would you add when it comes to some of the comments that Mark and John have shared around the labor environment and what we want out there as customers and consumers and even team members? I, I feel you, John. There was a there was an email I sent yesterday asking for an order status for something I ordered online. And the person responded, you can call us between the hours of this and this. <laughs> I looked at my husband and I said, I'm not interested. I think I'll just wait on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that, Allison. And you know, we learned so much, to your point, being consumers that we can apply as to as being practitioners. So I love that. Um, all right, let me share a couple of quick comments before we move on to the enhanced competitive advantage. Uh, John says, hey, while end-to-end visibility was a quickly growing need pre-pandemic, it seems to have accelerated during and post-pandemic. Now this visibility is less of a need want and more of a must-have table stakes, I'll call it, John, for a satisfying customer experience. Excellent point. And then get this from Josh. Talking about the automation imperative, I'm going to read this so we don't cut off uh, John and Mark. Uh, between The Economist, Foreign Affairs, and the reports shared on, on this show, I get an abundance of in information that I used to be able 
to emphasize with suppliers, but automation for ordering has been a massive sanity and anxiety saver, especially since the beginning of COVID. Josh, excellent, excellent points there. Um, all right. So, Mark, let's shift gears. Let's talk about uh, the enhanced competitive advantage. Mark. Sure. So if, if you think about um, industries and competitive environments where you're not a sole source or, you know, a, a unique piece of IP or, or product specialty, what differentiates you from your competitors? Well, it's, it's the experience you can give your customers if you have, and, and the two biggest factors we hear about exceptional customer experience mm -hmm. is on time in full when expected. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So the, the, if, if you talk about the order entry process, <laughs> then it is speed and accuracy of getting that order into the system so that our fulfillment team have a chance of delivering. Now, one of our customers um, has automated their order entry process through our service and they have automated their picking function through robotic factory. So when a customer emails an order to them, in roughly 84% of the cases, that order is picked and packed and ready for it to be picked up in under 15 minutes from when the sender pushed send on the order. Man. That is an exceptional That's customer cool. experience. And they see, they see when they deploy at that level that those customers are stickier and those customers tend to order more from them. So if, if they were, you know, somewhere on that ABC, um, you know, supplier assessment, they, they're moving up in the assessment and getting more of that wallet share. Mark, I love that. And, uh, you know, one of the things I gathered as I was doing my own uh, due diligence is y'all worked with a uh, $2.5 billion global chemical company and you enabled them to stop manually processing 400,000 POs. I can only imagine uh, how that helped the team and improve the customer experience. Um, one of the quick comment before we move forward, the Anna McGovern is with us here today. Anna, I hope this finds you well. It's been too long. Uh, she goes back to that trust that we were talking about earlier. And she says, and due to lack of trust, customers stockpile inventory and then destock leading to soft demand. This is why quick response and quickly uh, quick recovery is vital and resilience is key. Anna, wonderful. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Um, all right. So, John, uh, we've covered the first two key, point, uh, key pain points uh, sure. where, where companies are, are leveraging AI-enhanced document automation and then some. Uh, number three is reducing mistakes, including those costly data errors. Uh, John, tell us more. Yeah, I, I think this is where I think the math comes in, Scott. If you think about as a manufacturer or distributor, what an error costs you. So an item error, a shipping error, a surprise that you deliver to the customer. A credit and a rebill in this business is at least $250, right? You've got to pay someone to go through and correct that mistake with an unhappy customer. Mm. So the one credit and a rebill, um, and let's say your average order size is 500 bucks or less, which it is for many people in this industry. Um, think about how many orders you gotta have to make up for that credit and rebuild. And to add on what Mark said, you have surprised the customer. I mean, when you get fundamentally down to how you grow share as a manufacturer and a distributor, it for me, it's almost this simple. Right. The least, if you deliver less surprises to your customer and problems than your competition, you'll grow. Yes. Right? You'll grow above market. And so automating the manual mistakes and making sure that they're not mistakes any longer is a key to grow and share on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. I, I want to layer in on that. Yeah. In fact, uh, the, the Indian river consulting group led by Mike Marks did a, a study in collaboration with um, the Hardy distribution group. Hardy is a, uh, association and buying group of um, HVAC distributors. Mm -hmm. And they, in the study, they determined that a, a, a distributor in that competitive environment would, could expect that they would lose about 10% of their business in the year from existing customers 
to a competitor primarily due to what they call the service execution failure. Wow. Meaning, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a perfect order. So it happened enough times that their frustration led them to go somewhere else. So if you want to talk about the winners and losers in that world, the winners are the ones who could protect against errors while still having capacity to take on new business. Uh, excellent point, Mark. And I appreciate that data-driven uh, insights you shared there. Allison, I'll get you back in here. I want to go back to uh, what John was saying earlier and what Mark is also speaking to. Uh, surpri- generally speaking, surprises become a lot less fun after you reach, uh, I don't know, age 11 or 12. Uh, <laughs> you know, birthday parties, we'll save them for those maybe. But Allison, oh, yeah. surprises. <laughs> so, so Allison, we don't want to surprise customers, right? What else would you add to what you've heard there from John and Mark? Well, I think it it does come down to that that we've talked we keep talking about this the labor market right so if we've already many of us are already very short staffed um, it's not as though we see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel where gosh if we can just get past the next few years the labor market's going to open up mm-hmm. no it's not we've got to figure out how to do more with less so if you think about the automation implications for not only helping with typos like today's you know everyday's typos mm. if you think about the amount of of work that our current workforce is doing now and the burnout and the kind of ex- i mean exhaustion whether or not you're working overtime you're you're wearing a lot of hats chances are mm. so with all these different human factors ultimately help that automation implementation or or the justification for a lot of this automation because it's not these aren't your everyday typos these are I, I anticipate, and I'm seeing it in my own business, everybody's spread thin. So you're seeing a lot more mistakes when manual processes are, are involved, things that really didn't happen before. That's right. Uh, well said, Allison. And for context, Allison leads a, um, a manufacturing organization that serves, uh, amongst other industries, the aviation industry, where, man, if you don't get it right, that's life and death. So excellent points. Expensive. There, yeah. Allison. All right, I'm circling back to Mark here. So we've gone through the labor environment. We've gone through enhanced competitive advantage, reducing mistakes, and all that leads to kind of points this last one maybe, doing more with less, but doing more proactively and less reactively. we got to, you know, wearing a cape is fun, but we can't do that every day. Mark, tell us more. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I talked to people 20 years ago when I first started in this particular business, and they would talk in the supply chain side about place and chase. Mm-hmm. And, and I think today, when I talk to leaders, you know, even five years ago, there would be conversations about, can we use automation to displace labor because we actually want to reduce our headcount? I haven't had a conversation about displacing labor in the market in <laughs> several years now. People are fighting to keep quality talent in-house because the number of, let's say, you know, we talked about at the beginning on compliance. Um, They have contractual requirements from a customer to keep so much safety stock and so much of this and to produce reports on when things are going to be available. Well, those contractual requirements are there because it's about the customer experience for that customer, for that contract who's buying from them. So they put these requirements in to try to build safety net and a trust boundaries around it. But that all takes people and time to do it. Even if it's just the time to have your IT staff to program that report for you, it's time they're not doing something else. Mm. So there's huge demand, like John said, on quality human resources that can do the things you need them to do. Training is part of it. Education is part of it. Experience is part of it. It's also the attitude and desire that people want to work. And there's, you know, we're seeing with after the pandemic, a lot of people just went works too much right now. Mm. I'm out. Yeah. So there's a, there's a real crunch on being able to find how do we serve our customers and our markets? in today's world, given we've only got so many people and we can't seem to find more. Yes. Mark, I, I agree. The burnout factor is alive and well, unfortunately. And, and a lot of folks did to your point, Mark, uh, as we worked our way through the pandemic and, and dealt with a lot of other really tough factors, they said enough, 
enough. You know, I'm do, I want to do something else. Uh, and, and I would, I would add to that, you know, our team members, the, the proverbial employee experience that is rapidly evolving as well. And us business leaders, we've got to account for that in our operations. Um, let me take a couple uh, comments and then I'm going to circle back John and Allison. If you want to add anything else to this, this last doing more with less and it more proactively versus reactively. I want to start with, uh, uh, the John Wayne of supply chain, Jake Barr is here with us. He says connected directed work is not only here, but is table stakes for making progress for the future. Excellent comment uh, there, Jake. Uh, I want to go to, let's see, uh, Mariana and she's got a long comment. So I'm going to keep it in the, in the sidebar, but uh, she, she talks about a common seamlessness problem is that manufacturer and distributor have different naming conventions for the same SKUs. Excellent comment there, Mariana. John, uh, you're nodding your head and, and and saying hallelujah. You want to add anything to that, John? No, I, I, I think that is a that is a common problem. The one thing I would say that what Mark was talking about earlier, Scott, that I think is really important is yeah, automation. Automation is really a barrier to exit. So the more you can automate, the more you can make the transaction automated, the more a barrier to exit it is for your customers. So mm -hmm. think about it this way. I'm already hooked in a manufacturer to a distributor to an end customer where the end customer is put in an order in once and it goes seamlessly through the channel. The work that it takes to do that um, may be significant. Once that is done, that is a tremendous barrier to exit for the end customer. Mm. It's a seamless transaction. You know, the barrier to exit used to be the relationship. Today, it's the transaction. Mm. Uh Excellent points there, John and Mark. Um, Allison. I did like that. I'm yeah, just going to come back on Joanna's Please. comment. Um, I'd say five years ago, the number one reason, I'd say no, the number two reason we saw challenges in getting transactions automated was the master data catalog issue where the, the, the buyer's catalog was different than the seller's catalog for the same item. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it was the Tower of Babel. They, they couldn't talk. Fortunately, um, we've made a lot of progress in that area, not not through synchronization, but through um, translations to be able to translate A into B. Yeah. Excellent point, uh, Mark. The Rosetta Stone. We need the Rosetta Stone to, to, to work on some of these translations for us out across industry. I had to dive deep for that history reference. Uh, so hopefully my history teacher will appreciate that. Uh, Allison, I know you want to, I want to get your take here. We, 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 uh, your, your comments on, on, on the ground we're covering with Mark and John and you know, any uh, misperceptions you've seen out there when it comes to automation, Allison. So, um, so no, I wanted to speak really to that fourth point where mm. um, Mark was talking about, you know, doing more with less and the being proactive and, I think really what the automation allows people to do is think about it, it gives you an opportunity, right? It gives you the opportunity to do something different than what your competitors are doing. So for example, we had a particular vendor who automates their process. And so I get updates on here's what's going on with your order. Here's when you're going to see it. And all of a sudden one day I got something that I didn't like the, mm. instead of five twelve, the answer was six fifteen, And I went, Whoa, that's a month later than I needed that thing. <laughs> So instead of just kind of letting that automation sit, all of a sudden my vendor was reaching out to me with every other day updates mm. as to where things were. And it got me thinking this conversation because had that person been tied up with manually entering orders or correcting a bunch of things that maybe somebody else did that they had to clean up, um, now that person is free to do the critical thinking piece, you know, to, to do the customer service piece. So there's, I think there's, there's definitely value added in the automation that maybe we, we kind of take for granted right now with, the, mm. with going back to the customer service. But I really was curious in Mark, in your travels, I, I know you've been talking to, to a lot of different people over the past several weeks. What kind of, are there misconceptions that you find are, are you're, you're tackling with the automated automation implementation in general are there i mean because you know if you think way back if we all thought robots were going to take over everybody's jobs and obviously that's not happening so what what other misconceptions are you seeing in the marketplace that it it's you're hearing again and again mm. I, I would say 
you know, a, a couple of things. One, the, the number one misconception that's out there is that there's nothing that can be done to solve for this. Mm -hmm. um, that the status quo is the status quo and we really, there's nothing that can be done other than to, you know, dig in, work harder um, and, and try to find a way past it. That, that's probably the first misconception. And, and to add into your, you know, your, your, your comment about your experience that you had about change in dates, Mm. Uh, procurement is one of the areas that we've seen the biggest uptick in request for assistance recently. So if you think pre-pandemic, pre-supply chain disruption, if you placed an order with a supplier, you had a high expectation of fulfillment. The orders that fell out of that fulfillment cycle were fairly limited and you could manage it through safety stock and still have good uh, and and not have too much cash tied up in inventory. Okay. Mm. Today, so much disruption is going on that you can't count on that. Now, because the disruption has changed, the part of staffing hasn't changed. It was never staffed to go check all of the statuses of all those orders. You just trusted it was going to happen. So <laughs> today... You can't trust it's going to happen, but you don't have staff and you can't hire staff to go do it. Like college graduate, I want you to go through all of these emailed reports and look at the dates that are on the supplier's report and then look at the dates that's in our system and tell me if anything doesn't match. Mm. And I want you to do that eight <laughs> hours a day. Oh my God. And oh, by the way, you have to remember some context that this supplier is never on time and this one is this. And the, yeah. Right. Yeah. Would you like to come work for us? <laughs> TPS reports is what I'm hearing there. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we need covers on all your TPS reports. So one of the biggest use cases uptakes is can you help us find a way to extract what's in those email documents and determine if it's synchronized with my system and let me know if there's a problem. Otherwise, just check the box and, and let it go. Yes. Mark, uh, you touch on, uh, generally speaking, I think folks want as, as the employee experience, as the uh, workforce out there has continued to involve what they want, they want more meaningful purpose, purposeful work that adds value to the enterprise. And they want to know where they, they factor in there. And so Mark, I love that example. Um, and speaking of, I think you alluded to this example, Mark, in, in just a second, we're going to go around. We got a little extra time. So I'm going to come to John and Allison for a final thought before we make sure everyone knows, Mark, what Connexium does. And then we're going to talk about some resources you brought to the table. But I had a lot of fun in the pre-show getting to know you and your team better, Mark. And you, I think you alluded to this example. Y'all worked with a Fortune 100 company where you eliminated $3.8 in manual data entry costs. And for the 6,000 customers, order processing went from hours and hours to less than five minutes. Holy cow. Now, John, that's, that's what we want pretty much as customers these days, right? So, John, speak to that or, or give us your final thought here before we uh, kind of start moving into wrap-up mode. Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about it earlier, Scott. The more time you take away from your team is order takers mm. and put into order making, the better off you are. So, you know, if you can automate an order directly um, from the end customer into your system to the manufacturer, it is really breakthrough. And somebody mentioned it earlier in a comment. I mean, we're in, we're in distribution. So you've got like really long part numbers with numbers and letters that sometimes are 24, 28 characters long. Yes. Variations. Um, so the amount of errors that happen, the longer you have to type um, grows, right? So if you can, what I would call automate that portion of the process, you're really creating yourself a competitive advantage. Mm. With the end customer and also your manufacturer partners as a distributor. But as a manufacturer, you want to work with distributors who can do that. Yes, John, well said. And I'm going to blatantly steal your t-shirtism you just dropped on us here. From order takers to order makers. Raise your hand. I'd, I'd much rather be an order maker, right? And create value and, and have the freedom to use my tribal knowledge and expertise I've gained, especially if I've been with the organization for quite some time, to go 
the extra mile with the customer and trust that we can automate a lot of blocking and tackling that you and you, uh, John and Mark both have spoken to here today. Um, all right, Allison, before we circle back to Mark and make sure everyone understands what Connexium does, your final thought, uh, Allison. You know, come back, comes back to the labor market for sure. Mm. Comes down to the employees. And if you can, uh, to John's point, if, if you can tell someone in a job ad, you know, Hey, you're going to be taking down numbers and putting them in a system and, you know, okay. Is that, is that job ad going to rise to the top or right. is a job ad of, you know, you're the point of contact to help us problem solve. You're the right. point of contact to, you know, help us represent the brand and, and those kinds of things, because that's to your point, that's what people want to do. People don't want to sit here and, type things in. I mean, I'll gladly let the robots take, take uh, that part of my job. <laughs> well, and, and look at this, Mariana, uh, Marcus, you were sharing that example of, of sitting down and, and looking through all that data tediously. Mariana says that example from Mark sounds like my inter internship in 2010. We've all been there, right? We've all yeah. been there. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, all right. So Mark, let's do this. Uh, we've got some resources we're going to offer up in just a second. Uh, but first, we like to get real clear. Uh, you know, I think we've been kind of um, foreshadowing some of the things that Connexium does here. But Mark, in, in a nutshell, tell us more about what Connexium does for your customers. Sure, thank you. Um, Connexium takes trade transactions like customer purchase orders that you're going to turn into a sales order in your business, or a supplier acknowledgement of that they got your order and when they're going to deliver it to you or a supplier invoice. And it takes those transactions typically delivered by email and as a PDF attached to an email is the most common case. And we mm. automate the processing of those into your system of record, typically your ERP system, but then sometimes it might be your CRM or your other order management system um, without anyone having to touch them. So our, our customers, when successful, typically get on, to about an 80% touchless rate where about 20% okay. of those transactions have real business issues that someone needs to look at. So the, the, the order isn't going to arrive when expected and that's going to cause me a, a delivery problem. So I need to know about that. That's not something I can do. Uh, the, like the Joanna mentioned, uh, there's a, there's an item code on this order that I don't know what it actually means. It doesn't match anything in our system. So someone has to look at it. Those would be the exceptions. Now, that level of touchlessness is a journey. You don't usually start there, but as the systems learn over time, um, then you achieve those touchless levels as you go forward. And mm -hmm. I, now I have a question for you. Was that clear how I explained that or did that sound like a bunch of gobbledygook? <laughs> Mark, I got to tell you, I'm not sure if anyone's ever turned it around and asked me for my opinion on their take. It's pretty clear to me, Mark, especially with these examples we've walked through. Uh, but John, what about you? you you've dealt with uh, Mark and the uh, Canaxian team. Was it pretty clear to you? Yeah, it was pretty clear to me. Um, uh, they, have a, they have a good system of helping create those connections between the end customer to you and all the way through the channel. Um, it, it is uh, sometimes takes a little bit of time depending on the end customer, but the value in doing it, once you have them hooked in, like we talked earlier, that's a heck of a barrier to exit. It's yes. hard for them to leave you once they're hooked in <laughs> system to system. That's right. And it's so working it, well. Mark? I'm going to come back, Scott, to sure. your example from the case study that you looked at with Global Manufacturer. We have 6,000 of their customers um, placing orders through our system around the world. That um, Those orders are all orders that come by email. So this manufacturer had already deployed EDI and had a you know, good high percentage of EDI out and running in their business. They'd already deployed an e-commerce website, and they had literally tens of thousands of customers on their website around the world. Mm -hmm. But they still had a gap of those customers, and, and here's the business problem. It's those customers that require a purchase order for their own internal business purpose. Mm -hmm. They have to go into that business system and create that purchase order. Those customers don't wanna do what they call dual entry. They don't wanna swivel chair 
and rekey it into your website if they're ordering from you on a daily basis. And at the same point in time, or even a weekly basis, and at the same point in time, they're not either able or financially prepared to take on setting up an EDI connection. Mm -hmm. So for them, the easiest thing, once they created that PO, was to hit send. And today, send turns it typically into a PDF that arrives in somebody's inbox as a purchase order coming by email. Or if it's a supplier sending you an invoice that's not EDI, it's a PDF copy of that invoice showing up <laughs> in your inbox. And, or that supplier acknowledgement coming into your inbox. And now somebody on your team has to receive it, place it on their screen, and enter it. Yep, yep. And that is a huge taker of time. Uh, yes, a big old uh, time suck, and we got to eliminate uh, time stuck. Uh, time sucks for sure, as I, uh, a former colleague, colleague used to refer to them as. And Allison, I'm gonna get your final thought uh, before we go into the resources here. But Mark, um, my hunch in in all of our conversations is you're working, you and the team are working with organizations really across the maturity curve. Right, folks yep. are maybe earlier on in that journey, and there's some lower hanging fruit, perhaps, in folks that are that are well along, very mature organization, and they're more nuanced or savvier needs, perhaps. Is that is that right, Mark? Absolutely true. In fact, uh, I I was last week I was out traveling with a couple of my colleagues, visiting some of our biggest customers. Um, we were in a few different cities um, over in Europe last week, and our. Uh, what we learned is, you know, some of our customers that we're just starting with, we're looking at how do they hit the, you know, the the 20% that do 80% of the challenge for their business that mm -hmm. cause the most of the work. Right. And, you know, it's that several hundred to, let's say, a thousand. Like in the case of that global manufacturer, the, the, the 20% was 6,000 customers. So it took us about a year to roll that out for them. Yep. But in some of these other customers, we're talking... 250 to 500 um, trading partners that we're rolling out for them. And in, in the other ones are the ones that have already done that rollout and they're very happy with what they're doing. And now they're looking at the 80% that do the 20%, the right. long tail that's left and how do we take those on? And, you know, we're really excited that we have an, uh, a new AI uh, solution that can take on the majority of that work for them. That is exciting, uh, Mark. A lot of good stuff. Uh, all right, so Allison, I'll share a couple of comments here. CM, great to have you here. She says, right, double entry PO or anything? Who wants that? Yes, those aren't POs. Those are PUs, uh, CM. Uh, and <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> we try. Hey, Steve Green, appreciate that. Great insight. Thanks so much for presenting, he says. Really appreciate that. All right, so Allison, uh, there's always opportunity, right? There's always opportunity, no matter where you are across the maturity curve. Your final thought before we offer up these resources to the our audience? Uh, these are these are really good good talking points because it's really sometimes for me at least when I'm talking about these kind of automation topics, it's hard to visualize, it's hard to conceptualize um, because if you don't have an example kind of in your own environment, your own framework that you're used to, it's hard to think. I think back to Mark's point on. A misconception of thinking, oh, there's nothing that I can automate. Right. You know, I mean, I, I was sitting in the beginning of this conversation trying to go through my head, like, okay, what what things could I automate that I'm not already? And I found my own mind blocks, my own, oh, well, that's proprietary software. No, no, they, mm. Well, th there are pieces. And, and to Mark's point, you don't overnight become automated. Someone in the comments mentioned too that it's a process. You you know little bits here and there. You, so if you're if you're better tomorrow than you were yesterday, then that's an improvement. So mm. over time, I think that's key. And, and uh, yeah, that's just been a really good conversation. Love that, Allison. Uh, incremental change for the better. Uh, all I'm right. We're going to build on that with Allison. In fact, uh, the other thing that we hear is people looking for that one magic bullet mm. that's going to solve all their problems. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's been 21 years now that I've been in this space, in this industry, and there is no one magic bullet. We're not a magic bullet for all of it. We serve a specified need for those email transactions. Yep. Okay. Well, that's a perfect segue, Which Mark. Is it? Yes. Perfect segue. <laughs> nice. Because we don't want folks out there taking my word for it or Allison's word for it or even John's word for it who's 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 dealt with Mark and the team. We've got two resources here. First up, uh, kick the tires. Hey, check out a demo with the Connexium platform to see how it could impact your business. Mark, why should folks do that? 
Well, you know, we don't, like, like you said, we don't want people to take our word for it. And in fact, it's often really difficult um, and, and to imagine how this could work for you. And in fact, one of the things that we've learned is we don't want to necessarily show you a demo that has been canned and prepared and you know everything's going to work. We want to take your examples, documents from your business, and run them through our platform in a demo mode and let you evaluate for yourself whether this would be a good fit for you or not. We're not looking to determine if it's a fit. You know if it's a fit or not. We're looking to facilitate that conversation. Really appreciate that. And folks, you're one click away. You can check the link out there and connect with Mark and the Connexium team uh, to check out your demo. Um, and then secondly, I love... I love calculators, uh, Allison, John, and Mark. Uh, you can check out via the second link, uh, the value calculator from the Connexium team to see how much you could save or even worse, how much doing nothing might cost your organization. Organizations so to check that out. And we've got the link here for you to do so. Um, that, right. uh, that calculator is really cool too, because I was playing with it. You could, you see the number of errors and you see the, the cost of personnel and uh oh yeah the correlation between some things it's kind of it's frightening i mean it's good <laughs> it's, it's frightening i mean it's good i love it's that good. Allison. Kind of kind of way, right? what was that mark it's good in a haunted house kind of way <laughs> yeah it's it's that meme with the guy with the, with the little dog sitting in the fire all around him everything's fine it's fine uh, you know we're, we're uh all that is humorous and we get a good chuckle out of it but the real universal truth that it presents is we've got to be honest with ourselves from a data-driven perspective of, of things that we uh, active and deliberate decisions we make and what they cost the business and those, those deliberate uh, deliberately made non-decisions we make and what that costs the business. Right. And uh, it sounds like taking a demo with Mark and the team and checking out that value calculator might be some ways to tackle those gaps. Um, all right. So John, if I can bring you back in, uh, because you know, you're, you know, again, you've got the voice of the customer here and that is such a powerful thing on these kind of conversations. Um, you would, you would encourage folks to check out a demo. Is that where you started one of your previous, uh, uh, times working with, um, Mark and the team? Yes. Yes. I would also say that the, the technology over time has changed. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think one important thing to think about if you're a channel partner in this is, you're in a constantly moving and evolving environment. So every day, you're, the manufacturer is determining who they're going to market with. They're optimizing their distribution channel. They're adding, they're deleting. As a distributor, you're adding and deleting every day, right? Manufacturer partners. The end customer is changing who they buy from every day. Yes. So you have to automate. And once you start, it never ends because Monday is different than Wednesday and who you're partnering with. So I think mm -hmm. that's an important thing for people to realize. And you need partners that can help you adjust because when a end customer changes their ordering system, maybe they're on Coupa and now they're on Ariba. Um, when the distributor changes their ERP, it never ever is static. It's constantly evolving. Right. So that's why you got to have good partners who will work with you through those changes. Excellent point, John. It's easy to partner on the easy days, the good days, the successful days. You see what folks and organizations are made of on those tougher of days. Uh, all right, a couple last comments, and we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with John and Mark. And Allison, after we bid adieu to John and Mark, we're going to get your key takeaway that folks got to take from this conversation. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Owalabi, great to have you back with us here today. It says uh, interop interoperability of customer systems with those of suppliers could be a challenge automation, but not insurmountable. Absolutely, Oalabi. Uh, and Dr. LeGriffin, hey, I appreciate this. She's going to definitely check out the Canaxium program. Appreciate that. And great to have you here today. Um, all right. So uh, let's do this. Mark, we folks, I think folks got a good idea of where to how to uh, plug in and connect with you and the team, but what else would you add? So Mark Tavoli, vice president sales with Canaxium. How can folks connect with you, Mark? Well, you can connect with me through LinkedIn. You can connect with me through email, um, reach out either one of those channels. And I would look forward to the opportunity to connect with you personally. Um, and uh, I really appreciate the audience taking the time to uh, hang out with us today. It was a, it was a good conversation. Completely agree. And beyond, you know, if you want to connect with Mark, beyond all the 
um, automation and business leadership, the compare notes zone. He can tell you about uh, his wonderful trip meeting customers and prospects in Europe. And, and there are some good, uh, some good memories to be shared there, Mark. So thanks for your time. Uh, and John Gunderson, Senior Consultant with Dorn Group. Let's make sure folks know how to connect with you. I, I would basically just echo what Mark said. Email, LinkedIn, um, reach out if you have any questions. Um, you can also find me at Farmers Markets in Georgia. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I love that. And John, we're going to meet up, uh, whether it's uh, my neck of the woods, your neck of the woods, or somewhere else. I love this time of year as uh, farmers markets are about to be real vi vibrant with locally grown produce. So big thanks to John Gunderson. Thank you, John. Thank you. And Mark uh, Toffoli, big thanks to you and your team here today. We will look forward to having you back again soon. Thank you. The pleasure was ours. You bet. All right, Mark, John, y'all have a great rest of your day. Thank you. All right, Allison, that was a fun conversation. Uh, very what? practical conversation. Yes, that's, you know, sometimes, a that's a good word for it. Yeah, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, uh, we have these conversations, they get really the theoretical, really, they're uh, over uh, the altitude of a lot of, of, especially me, listening in, right? Same, same. Making eyes grow back. But I thought there was a lot of practicality in this conversation here today. And I want to share a couple things here before we get your key takeaway uh, let's see. CM loved no uh, siding uh, back. I think she's saying no backsliding basically is what I think CM is saying. It's never static. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Mariana says barrier to exit used to be the relationship. Now it's the ease of the transaction. Excellent point there, ma'am, uh, uh, Mariana. Um, all right. So Allison, we covered a lot of ground. We did a lot of good stuff. A lot of, a lot of, uh, and stuff. I think is one of the terms of the day, stuff. but if, uh, that's right. Where's my stuff? Very technical. Very technical. It actually stands. <laughs> it's it's abbreviation to something that I can't pronounce. <laughs> okay. So Allison, as a fellow practitioner, uh, we've heard a lot of conversations here over the years. What is if you had to uh, pull people to one thing they they heard here from Mark and John today? That is a lot of good news and good stuff. What would that be, Allison? I think my my super short summary is don't get left behind. So I think that a lot of this, it's very, you know, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I can, yeah, I'll automate stuff uh, later. You know, I'll put it on my 2025 budget or, you know, I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep watching this AI stuff, you know, <laughs> I, stuff, see, see. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that the, this is the opportunity and it, whatever you end up automating, I, I talking to a friend of mine, they said, it's kind of like a drug. <laughs> where you automate something and then all of a sudden something else in your business, you're like, Oh, I did that over here. I could do it over here too. <laughs> so, you know, I, and, and then you look at everyone else who's remained manual and they're struggling for lots of different reasons. Mm. So it's, it's a matter of just don't get left behind. That's right. That's right. You know, um, um, take time, invest time in the conversations that we, that we've talked about here today, um, Allison, because it's easy. I mean, you blink, and you're left behind uh, mm -hmm. in, out in the markets, out in the industry, uh, out with your you gotta competitors. Got to differentiate yourself, right? I mean, we talked a lot about it. Is that's right? How how do you give yourself the competitive advantage? Well, you gotta you, you gotta you gotta step forward. You gotta make that's those right. kind of maybe scary decisions. That's right. That's right. Uh, and hey, don't take our word for it though. Check out the, the resources we provided. Uh, get with Mark and the uh, Connexium team. Take that demo. Check out that value calculator. And hey, I know you'll, regardless, beyond all of that, I know you'll enjoy a conversation sitting down with Mark Toffoli and John Gunderson coming to a farmer's market near you. Um, Allison, thank you for joining me here today. Great to be here. Looking forward to your next appearance already. And to the, all the all folks in the audience, I know we couldn't get everybody's comments today, but y'all brought it. I really appreciate uh, all that y'all added uh, to the table. Y'all connect, uh, connect with Allison, connect with Mark, connect with uh, John. And, uh, and whatever you do, to quote Allison, don't get left behind. And on that note, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, thanks everybody behind the scenes, Catherine, Amanda, Chantel, and more. Scott Luton challenging you. Hey. Deeds, not words. Take something you heard, there, heard here today and put it in action. And whatever you do, do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. 
Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.